0: Since Governor Eric Greitens' long and winding scandal broke in January, we've heard a lot from lawyers and politicians. One person we haven't heard anything from was the woman at the heart of the story. That changed this week when the woman, identified as KS, talked with Five on Your Side's Casey Nolan about her allegations against Greitens, some of which may compel lawmakers to throw him out of office.
1: I'm in the middle of the most difficult, crazy fight that I didn't ask to be a part of and I feel like I'm this easy punching bag, yet I haven't thrown any punches.
0: This comes as members of a committee examining the governor's conduct read aloud depositions where the woman was asked deeply personal questions. It also comes as the committee is looking into who gave newspaper publisher Scott Fawn cash that went to the lawyer of the ex-husband who exposed the scandal. Grain's ATTORNEY ED DOWD BELIEVES THAT Vaughn's TESTIMONY THIS WEEK WAS DECEPTIVE.
2: AND THE WITNESS JUST CONTINUALLY SAID I'M NOT ANSWERING THAT QUESTION AND WE WERE TRYING TO ASK THE chair CHAIRMAN TO ORDER HIM TO ANSWER AND IF HE REFUSED TO, TO HOLD HIM IN CONTEMPT SO WE WOULD KNOW WHO WAS TRYING TO SUBVERT. Our
0: government. On this episode of Politically Speaking, St. Louis Public Radio's Joe Manis joins me to talk about KS's interview, how she was treated by Greitens' attorneys, and why the fawn money matters. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio on this Friday morning is...
3: Colleague Joe Manis.
0: And Joe has spent the last week and a half in Jefferson City, probably longer than you wanted to or expected to. Well,
3: longer than I expected to, but yeah, yeah. I mean, sunny, rather hot Jefferson City.
0: We're going to talk about what you saw, especially this week, at the end of the show, but the thing that I want to really start the show off with is for the first time since January, the woman at the heart of this entire situation, scandal, debacle, whatever you want to call it, spoke for herself with Five on Your Side's Casey Nolan. And um, we got permission from uh, KSDK, Five on Your Side, to play some of that interview on this show. I think it's important because We've been constantly talking about this woman without her being able to utter some of the things that you see in the reports or heard on that secret recording. She finally got to speak for herself. And I thought this is just my opinion, Joe. It was a pretty powerful interview to actually hear her say some of the things that we've only read about Before I play some of the clips, what were your impressions of, of, of the interview?
3: Well, I think, you know, she was very careful on what she said in some ways, you know. I mean, and I, mean, but, but I think her aim is to make it so she's no longer a cipher, to make people realize that she's a real person, uh, to kind of, you know, realize that, hey, she acknowledged that she made a mistake having this affair with Eric Reitens, which she's acknowledged, so we're not going to say alleged affair, Um But I think that she her point is she never wanted this to come out. And the only reason that she's coming forward now is because his lawyers, who we'll talk about later, uh, she says are trying to portray her as a liar.
0: Now, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the criminal trial, which centered heavily on whether Greitens took a semi nude photo of this woman without her consent. But the house report has allegations that are far more disturbing than just that yes there's there's allegations of sexual coercion which the governor denies obviously and also physical abuse which the governor also denies Uh, casey nolan asked the ks directly if she stood by what she told members of the missouri house this is part of that exchange right here she had an affair with governor eric greitens that he admitted to but denied any criminal wrongdoing. She also told a special House committee investigating the governor details of a sexual act that she says happened while she was crying on his floor in his house. I do have to ask you if you, if you stand by the things, for instance, that are in the House
4: report.
1: Yes, I do stand by them. They were hard to talk about. Really, really, really hard to talk about some of the things. But I absolutely stand by it
0: did you feel like the governor coerced you into something you didn't want to do
1: i mean i ultimately yes i mean looking back it's so hard i see myself as so vulnerable so
0: you've heard people say well if uh, if you didn't want it why did you go back why because you guys had a few other encounters what, what do you say to that
1: i just wanted to feel better. I felt so, like, awful about myself. I wanted to forget whatever happened. I didn't want to believe that that actually happened. And so if he really likes me, then yeah, yeah, it didn't happen like that.
0: What was your, what was your sentiments?
3: Well, as I said, I'm a lot older, but you know, which means I've experienced a lot. I, it didn't surprise me. I mean, from the standpoint that sometimes women, they get involved in these relationships and there's a sense of denial about it. And as uh, listeners who've been following this probably know, um, her ex-husband has testified that he was messing around. So, in fact, she got into pretty specific detail in the deposition about how many affairs he had. So there may have been some... Uh, payback between the two of them but then, you know, when Greitens, you know, started reaching out to her. Um, I think it just shows how complicated relationships are. I mean, whether they're good relationships or bad relationships, they're complicated.
0: The next clip I want to play from that interview is her responding to a point during the criminal trial where Greitens attorneys kind of insinuated that she saw some of the, uh, interactions in the basement particularly with the photo as a dream she wanted to directly respond to that part the governor's defense team used what KS says was an out-of-context comment in a deposition to imply she had dreamed the now infamous encounter in the basement
1: I definitely did not dream this up period I didn't
0: you made there's a reference to a dream in the interviews you've given what what did you mean by that
1: I was trying to say, no, well, I haven't testified to seeing a phone. And the reason really is because the memory that I have of it isn't strong enough to testify.
0: This interview comes about as, after the invasion of privacy charge was dismissed by St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner, which we talked about at length on the last show. One of the developments that occurred this week was Jackson County Prosecutor Jean Peters Baker was appointed to not only look at the invasion of privacy uh, charge, But to look at a span of time that starts on the day this woman was in Greitens basement up until, I think, September of 2015. And what I gathered from that part of Judge Burleson's order is uh, Baker may have more autonomy to charge Greitens with a different crime other than invasion of privacy, especially when you hear what the woman has said publicly in her depositions into the Missouri House, what what do you think about that, Joe? Yeah,
3: that's that's very possible. One point I want to make clear: I also listened to a lot of the deposition where she's talking about things that she also told Casey Nolan about on uh, Five on Your Side, and it's her story. She's sticking to the story. It's not like what she told um, the uh, committee was different, and that was something that did. Strike me when I listen to what she said on TV. So the fact that she's been sticking to her story, where she said in the deposition that when she mentioned the dream, and this is when she's talking to the House Committee as well, she said no, it was just like she was thinking it wasn't happening because she was blindfolded and she just remembers seeing this flash. Um, She was she emphasizes and she emphasizes in all that testimony that the phrase a dream did not refer to the whole incident.
0: So I asked Jack Garvey, who's one of Greiton's attorneys, about whether there's any fear that it doesn't say in the judge's order that they can only decide whether to recharge him with invasion of privacy, that it could potentially be a different crime, whether there was any fear that that type of scenario could happen. This is what Garvey uh, told A bunch of reporters
3: the facts are the facts I mean that's it I mean you can't get a crime out of something that's not there Um, I mean there's always prosecutorial discretion and we understand that Um, but that's it I, I don't think there's any fear at all we're just happy that it's not in the circuit attorney's office right now
0: as far as the legal case goes Baker doesn't have a lot of time to decide especially on the invasion of privacy angle, because I believe the statute of limitations on that particular point run out on June 11th. Whether the statute of limitation ap- apply to any other type of crime, I have no idea. I haven't looked at the criminal code very much. But that's kind of in the background while all this action, so to speak, is going on in Jefferson City, where a committee looking into Greitens' conduct started to ingest a lot of depositions and information from the criminal trial.
3: Yeah, I think one thing we have to reemphasize is that there's a two-pronged investigation here, and that's particularly true of the House committee. They're not just looking at, I mean, while they're reading all this salacious stuff into the record, they're not um, just focusing on the alleged affair. In fact, one could say arguably that they're spending at least more time and money Focusing on the aspects of the governor's money, uh, how he's getting money, not just to pay the lawyers, but whether or not the whole alleged, I mean, the whole use of the Mission Continues donor list to help bankroll his campaign, especially early on. While they're reading some stuff into the testimony, for example, the same, the same hours while they're interviewing Scott Fawn, the uh, newspaper publisher. Which we'll
0: talk about in a little bit
3: they uh, they have lawyers. I mean, just a few blocks away, fighting with other Greitens lawyers who are trying to block them from uh, trying to get access to his records for his nonprofit and uh, for his. I mean, some spending stuff on his campaign committee, possibly another special committee that he's set up. Set up uh, his defense committee, so. That, in some ways, I think, is the, his their quest for the money, the money trail for Greitens, as well as the money trail for Fawn, which we're going to talk about in a second. I think that's interesting to me that that is what has elicited such a huge blow-up from his legal team. I mean, former U.S. Attorney Catherine Hanaway, who is representing Greitens in this stuff about his money, uh, sent out this really blistering statement Thursday night, blasting Barnes, Uh, the chairman. And basically, this was all ignited by them pushing, trying to get these financial records. That's really when that started.
0: And I would just also add that it kind of was sparked when uh, (laughs) State Representative Jay Barnes, a Republican from Jefferson City, mentioned that he talked to the FBI about Michael Hafner's comments to, I think, the Attorney General and the House Committee that there were foreign donations going to Greitens' campaign. Which Or
3: there, that there may be. If there there may be. Yes.
0: And also the revelation that Fawn sent the secret recordings that he purportedly bought, which we'll talk about in a little bit, to Barnes. Yeah. And, yeah, he and, did. And, he and, says he did. And in response to this, because there was a pretty fierce pushback to this Hannaway statement, uh, Chip Robertson, a former Missouri Supreme Court judge who is acting as counsel to this committee, basically pointed out that Barnes had the tapes, but didn't use it to attack Greitens, didn't use it to affect how committee members are, you know, interacting with witnesses or dealing with this situation, and also emphasize that Greitens himself has not testified before this committee at all. He's not answering questions from reporters. And it's
3: unclear if he will.
0: And um, not only was Chip Robertson perturbed, but I also saw from uh, Kurt Erickson of the Post-Dispatch's Twitter feed that Mike Kehoe, the Senate majority leader, was also displeased with Hannaway's attack on Barnes. Because I'm not going to say Jay Barnes has has charted a perfect legislative career that has been without mistakes, but I think it's fair to say that he's fairly well-respected among various sectors of the Republican caucus. I've known Representative Barnes before he was a state representative, when he was then-State Representative Bob Anders, press secretary, when he ran for Congress. So, I've known him for a long time. I understand he's probably under a lot of different pressures right now, but I'm not really sure Attacking Barnes was the way to go here on Hanaway's part.
3: Well, and Barnes has some respect from uh, Democrats, not just those on the committee, but of those in the House, because there have been at times when he's broke with le- le- leadership, Republican leadership on various issues, particularly if he thinks that they're skirting too close to the legal line on on, on stuff. I've watched this numerous times. Now, and, and in the case of Kehoe, it's key, to, it's key to note that he and Ron Richard, they are the two Republican leaders of the Senate. Both called on Greitens to resign, and on Friday before they left town, they reaffirmed that.
0: I will just note that this is not really a secret, but Kehoe has often been bandied about as a possible lieutenant governor replacement if Parson becomes governor. Unfortunately for that prospect, the legislature didn't pass a bill specifically allowing a governor to replace a lieutenant governor this year. I do not believe the governor has the legal authority to appoint a lieutenant governor at this point so. yeah
3: although that's kind of a side issue and, yeah, and we I, don't know where that's going It needs go. to be
0: pointed out i do want to talk about the deposition reading for a second i wasn't there but you were there, yes, I was there. and it, it there were times when when uh the lawmakers were reading the deposition especially when scott rosenblum who's part of greiton's defense team really asked some personal questions towards KS that I think people were—
3: Extremely
0: personal. I think people were a little taken (laughs) aback by that. I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, Joe.
3: Okay, I'm going to be very careful. But bottom line is they didn't just ask her about um, her uh, relationship with Greitens, the times she had been um, uh, involved with him— they did get specific about which sex acts were done, when, with Graytons, allegedly. Okay. But they also asked her—I mean, it got really specific about her relations with her own husband at the time, who's now her ex-husband. I mean, it, it got really um, unnerving. They also asked her about um, allegations of her own personal behavior. I mean, going back years— Asking her, um, let's say, for example, if she'd had certain body parts and they were very specific, pierced at any time. Um, if they, I mean, I was, I was particularly taken aback about asking her about. Oh, they asked her if she'd read the Fifty Shades of Grey series, which I have, and seen the movie, and if it aroused her. I mean, I'm only saying this because that's actually a question. In there, they, She was also asked if she discussed it with Gritens because I've said publicly before that some of the incident of that original incident, which has been public for months, resembled um, a scene in the book that's not in the movie. But we'll, I, I will not go beyond further.
0: I, I will just say, and I said this on a previous show, I am fully cognizant that sometimes attorneys have to take legal strategies, which may come off to the public as unseemly. Um, because they have a duty to defend their client to the best of their ability. I mean, I, I hope I'm not getting too far afield here, but I remember in 2014, Steve Stanger was criticized for a legal strategy that he had to do when he was representing somebody. And he rightfully said that if he didn't defend the person to the utmost ability, that he could potentially be disbarred or face ethics problems. But with that as an aside... There were a lot of people that were, frankly, disgusted by this line of questioning. And you actually asked U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill about this. I wouldn't say that she was disgusted because she's a former Jackson County prosecutor and she's gone through this.
3: Yeah. And that's the setup for this. Go ahead.
4: It's unfortunate in many ways that the deposition um, became so public because um, in many instances, the vast majority of what is deposed in those cases are not admissible and not relevant so they're never part of the public record Um, and so having all of that read out loud I haven't had a chance to review all of it um, but I am told that it was startling in terms of how aggressive they were it is another reminder that people need to keep in mind why it is so so many women don't come forward after they have um, endured an experience that has potential criminal charges involved. Um, You know, when I used to try these cases, um, particularly those cases where the defense was, oh it was consent, I always would try to point out in my rebuttal to the jury that I'd go through everything a woman has to go through to bring a case forward. The physical exam, the, the which is incredibly invasive, the, the, the multiple questioning, the uh, sense that um, people question you, even sometimes the police, as if they don't believe you. Uh, the, the fear that everything you've done in your life that isn't perfect is now going to be paraded out there. Um, and what what you go through in order to hold people accountable, is really tough and that's why i think over the last several years people are beginning to realize that the level of support services that are needed are extensive and i feel for this woman um, and the situation she finds herself in i have not reviewed the file and i don't think it's appropriate for me to pass judgment on this particular deposition because i haven't seen the file i don't know what defense they were going for and why on earth they thought some of those questions were relevant But uh, it is certainly should remind everyone why this woman didn't want to come forward in the first place.
0: I know that was a long clip, but I wanted to make sure the senator's comments were in context. What did the Greitens legal team tell you about why they took this line of questioning? Because I know that they were asked about this uh, when they were in Jeff City.
3: Yeah, I asked Ed Dowd about it specifically, and I've known him for a long time, just so people know. So there was a context there. And um, he, he said that they were just trying to reinforce that it was consensual. And um, I also asked him about these photos, which we have not mentioned yet, these somewhat pornographic photos uh, that uh, the, the Gritens legal team got them off the Internet. They were raising questions about whether or not it might be her. The committee went into closed session on uh tuesday to look at him uh decided they weren't of her and um frankly jason and i have both seen them they don't appear to be her but the point being that even that i mean i think it was less about the photos but the setting of the photos the porn site and stuff they're trying to imply that she does stuff on the internet and this is all about destroying her character
0: there was another question that was asked of Dowd because there was a point in the deposition where the woman talked about how her attorney was called by, I think it was Dowd, if I'm, if yes, I'm not mistaken, yes. um, before this scandal broke. Now, is there
3: anything that you guys will say about, I mean, in the testimony that was read, she testifies at one point that one of you, I'm told it was you, Mr. Dowd, um, asked her what does she want out of this? I mean, the implication is that if she would not, would she? was was that if she would deny an affair, things would go away. Was that what that was about, or are people
2: reaching no, the wrong conclusion? I'm sure that's a, a misunderstanding between what was said to her lawyer and what her lawyer said to her. And I, I know that when she was asked that question, she said, no, I don't think it was any attempt to buy me off. And that's true. Nobody ever said anything like that to her or to her lawyer.
0: I do want to move on to another aspect of the committee hearing, though, that probably got a lot of attention and you know joe's laughing right now because you know co- it comes off as somewhat comical but it, it and, and i will just say on the outset before we talk about it, notice we're not talking about this first i agree it is not the major focus of this story but as i'll explain near the end of this part i do not buy the argument that it doesn't matter and that we shouldn't be talking about it
3: okay now first i'd like to set this up a little bit we're referring to scott fawn who is a um, publisher of a couple newspapers, actually one in Clayton and one in Jefferson City. He also has a news political TV show that both of us have been on from time to time, as have been others. Um, So Scott is known within Jefferson City. Now, because of him paying, by his own admission, $120,000, To Al Watkins, the lawyer for the ex-husband, the um, uh, Jefferson City Press Corps in the Capitol recently voted uh, about 10 days ago to expel his publications.
0: And I believe St. Louis Public Radio abstained from that vote. Yes,
3: and we're not the only ones. There are some major outlets that opted to abstain for legal reasons for the possibility of a lawsuit they weren't necessarily taking sides just wanted to make sure that the other. I'm
0: not going to go into much more than that right but continue, right Joe. but
3: I think it's important that 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 this be set up so when I mean so most of the reporters in the room when fawn is testifying they know him
0: they do and basically the 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 genesis of bringing him in is the legislators wanted to know where this hundred thousand dollars came from and I'm about to play a montage that's about two and a half minutes long where Fawn said some things that when you listen to them, well, you be the judge.
2: Al Watkins is a a nice guy that I like. Al Watkins is a East Coast guy, a Georgetown-educated St. Louis attorney who, when I ever spoke to him, is in tailored suits. I'm a hillbilly from West Butler County who went to SEMO proudly, who talk to him in jeans and Carhartt. Al is a flamboyant and somewhat dramatic speaker and frankly it was very hard to communicate with him when I have and I think it is fair to say under oath that Al Watkins doesn't speak Hillbilly and Hillbillies have a hard time speaking to Al Watkins.
0: Mr. Fawn I, I gotta tell you, no one believes that it's your own money. That's a lot that's a lot of cash. I don't know anybody sitting around with $120,000 cash. And it's your testimony under oath that it was your money.
2: Or was it, I don't know how to say it more plainly and clearly that this was my money.
0: Did somebody give you a large amount of money prior to it, and then that's how it became your money?
4: And, and once again, I mean. I don't,
0: well, we're playing a semantics game here. If you have possessions, possession nine-tenths of the law, so therefore that you have it in possession, it's it's yours at that point? Well, He's told you it's his money, and just like when individual members of this committee loan themselves money to run for office, uh, just like the governor won't disclose where he gets his money to buy his house.
1: There's some news reports that Mr. Watkins required you to sign a, and I quote, draconian nondisclosure agreement. Did you sign, have you signed a nondisclosure agreement in...
2: I don't recall that. But
1: Have you signed any nondisclosure agreements in 2018? Let's put it that How about we do it that
2: way? I don't think so, no. Is Sterling Bank connected to the LIHTC industry? Not that I know of. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're, how would they be, con- what do you mean by connected, just so I can answer your question better? Sure. So the the idea behind some of these tax credits, especially the low-income housing ones, is that these tax credits act as coupons toward your income taxes, and these coupons can be bought or sold just like any other commodity. To your knowledge, Sterling Bank involved in that portion of— I do not know that they buy and sell tax credits at Sterling Bank. And you didn't think, boy, this is going to be critical to my book. This is what's going to make it a hot item. Uh, I should probably get some exclusivity here. You just said, hey, I'd like a copy, and whatever else you do with it, that's fine. Again, it it probably rises, uh, the question This rise to a few misunderstandings, probably coming from the way we communicate. But I might should have in hindsight, but I did not. That seems like an incredibly odd business decision to make.
0: So a couple of things to go through. I'm not going to play all of Al Watkins' testimony because we have other things we have to do. But the next day, Watkins said that Fawn told him that it was from a GOP donor with an ax to grind. He said he made him enter into a non-disclosure or confidentiality agreement. I'm not 100% sure because I didn't listen to the testimony whether he actually had to sign a physical piece of paper. I've seen conflicting things.
3: Yeah, Watkins implied, because I did listen to this part of it, that it was sort of an understanding, and he didn't have it at the committee. Yeah. He didn't have it there. Now, also, listeners need to know that Chuck Atfield, the lawyer to the stars in Jefferson City, is the lawyer for both of these guys.
0: But, okay, I'm sorry, Joe. If Scott Fawn did not know Sterling Bank was involved in the low-income housing tax credit industry, he obviously didn't Google those two things because that's literally the first thing that comes up when Sterling Bank comes
3: Well, out. Well, the reason they brought up Sterling Bank is because there's implications that somehow they were part of the money chain. Now, I want to emphasize there's no proof of anything. And, in fact, while... Um, Chairman Barnes emphasized the dangers of lying under oath. Um, it will be difficult. I, I will say this. It will be difficult, and not just in case of Fawn, but in the case of Watkins or any of these uh, witnesses, it's going to be difficult to prove that they intentionally um, lied if they did.
0: I, I, will, I don't disagree with you, Joe, because I'm not a lawyer. But i talked to a lot of people after fawn's testimony and i say this as someone who likes scott fawn i know i've been really critical of him here on the show and on twitter it doesn't bring me any great joy to like you know punch him the way i do but at best people thought his testimony was deceptive at worst people say he outright committed perjury there.
3: But it's going to be difficult to prove. I mean, But can, like you, I said, can you
0: at least acknowledge that he was not forthcoming to committee members? Can you at least oh, acknowledge yeah. that? Oh,
3: I think there's no question about that. But I think making a leap to perjury is a big leap. I
0: agree. Because
3: but- he was very careful what he said. Chuck Hatfield intervened several times. And the backdrop of this is while the committee, and I think rightly— is trying to find out if um, prominent donors are, or prominent players, political players, are behind the money that's being used to partially bankroll this opposition uh, trying to get rid of the governor. It's a fact, and, and the committee knows this, they also don't know the source of the money, uh, which is a lot more, uh, of helping the governor. Yeah. And, and I also want to make one thing clear. We are talking in almost all these cases about Republicans. Right. We're talking about Republican donors. So the governor's ad campaign that's going on, I will say this. I think that ad campaign is extremely misleading.
2: A liberal St. Louis prosecutor funded by George Soros press charges and Democrat leadership orchestrated the false attacks. Don't let the liberals get away with it.
3: Frankly, Democrats are pretty much just watching the show. And there
0: is far more evidence. I agree. It's not bulletproof. Talked about it on this show many times. There is far more evidence that the reason this affair was revealed was in retaliation for the low-income housing tax credit freeze. And the people that unleashed this are primarily Republican-leaning developers, lobbyists, and and Fawn himself is a Republican. So
3: Yeah, well, and the governor uh, pretty much said that at this news conference that I covered on Thursday, the next to the last day of session, where he had did this news conference within side of the Capitol. It was supposed to be about alternative biofuels, but he quickly shifted into his enemies, and he really took after the low-income housing industry, although his staff did emphasize to me later that they wanted to make clear that he didn't necessarily have evidence yet.
0: Before we get into the final point I want to make, I do want to just re-emphasize the reason why there may be some validity the governor is making that. While it does not excuse his behavior or actions, and frankly, I don't think it will matter whether he's impeached or not, the facts, of, facts are this— The amount of press calls that came to Watkins spiked right after he froze the low-income housing tax credit. That's what Watkins said. Vaughn is heavily connected to the low-income housing tax credit community. Not only is Sterling Bank one of the sponsors of his show, but he's pretty close with people like Steve Tilley that represent low-income housing tax credit people. As I mentioned on last week's show, and it has now been a week, I sent a message to J.S. Holdings, which is the umbrella company of developer Jeff Smith, one of the biggest low-income housing tax credit players. I asked him directly, was he the, the GOP donor that Watkins has said? No response. I will also just say that pretty much every news outlet in the state has connected the dots between Fawn and the low-income housing tax credit industry. They have my phone number. They have the phone numbers of every reporter's. I have not gotten one message telling us, hey, it wasn't us, okay?
3: But but I think— And one
0: more thing, okay, okay, Joe, okay, and we okay, need okay. to point this out. okay. Chuck Hatfield works for a firm Stinson Leonard Street that has clients within the low-income housing tax credit industry now you asked him directly yes, whether he's... whether he was doing that on behalf of those clients and he said no
3: yeah and Barnes Barnes or one of the other committee members asked him directly that too and and Hatfield also said no now
0: continue Joe now
3: one of the points that I want to emphasize and you mentioned this earlier is that, the this, this search for the source of the money or the source of the, those going after the governor doesn't negate what he's accused of doing, either on the personal side or on the uh, political side. I am old enough to have been around when Bill Clinton... Was under fire in the 1990s. I was
0: alive then too, Joe. Yeah,
3: but you were a kid.
0: I was. I was paying <laughs> sl- somewhat attention. Yeah,
3: I mean, I was in. This was 97 primarily, and 98, and I actually covered some of his events that he had here trying to defend himself. But my point being is that there was um, some accusations of who was behind it. Um, I mean, his wife made some comments about you know the right wing conspiracy. But the fact remained that there were things that he admitted he had done with intern Monica Lewinsky. My point is, is that looking at the source or why the, the motivations your enemies have doesn't mean that there isn't still a legitimate um, issue about what you did.
0: There is one point, though, I really want to close this show with because i agree with you 100%. Even if low income housing tax credit people, you know, the Green Bay Packers, you know, whoever gave Vaughn this money, or whether it was Vaughn's money, it doesn't i, I agree. It doesn't change the, the material facts. But there is one thing about this entire situation that has really bothered me, especially after I heard this clip from Casey Nolan's interview. It's not just the attacks from the defense team that she says hurt but the way this story came out, her story told by her ex without her consent.
1: I I have no clue with this money thing. I don't know who it was and what, what they wanted to accomplish, but they used me. They used me, not the person who got paid. They used me.
0: Joe, I have to be honest. When I heard that, it was hard for me to listen to that. I almost broke into tears when I heard that and I'm not going to get into why, because a lot of it is is personal that I don't want to disclose. But I think we talked about on our first show how we were uncomfortable with the fact that the story came out with the ex-husband telling the story. Basically, what Scott Fawn and the ex-husband were involved with, and whoever gave them this money, was a scheme that allowed the ex-husband to tell the story of a traumatic experience for this woman without her permission, and without her consent, and basically deprived her of doing what she did to Casey Nolan and tell her story on her own terms.
3: Well, and, and he's the one getting the money. I mean, he and his lawyer are getting the money. I mean, the governor uh, is also, and his legal team are getting money from unknown sources. They're, from the testimony that I listened to, there is no allegations that she's getting money, from anywhere, or even her to,
0: attorney getting third-party yeah, money.
3: Yeah. So the point is, is that everybody's getting paid, but her. I'm not justifying and, it, but I'm just saying. And because she's of the this sequence of events, paid.
0: I'm not saying that if she had come forward, her life would have been perfectly fine, because she would have suffered blowback. Well, so her, she
3: had no plans on going forward.
0: And you know, she has
3: made that clear.
0: But I'm just saying, her life is. I don't want to say it's ruined, but it has been. It has been changed. Beyond comprehension, because of this, against her wishes, I do believe that the public deserves to know what happened in Greitens' basement. But you know, Joe, we've talked to a guest before who had who decided to come forward on her own and talk about how she she was sexually assaulted after she
3: had been publicly shamed.
0: I, I believe, and I, now I believe this very stridently and very strongly, that. I, it just kind of signals to me that the way that the ex-husband spoke for his ex-wife under very vindictive terms is unseemly, and it's a part of discourse and political tactics that I don't think we should rationalize, and I don't think that we should say as a Missouri political community is okay. Well, it's that's slu- why I think this matters, Jill. It's
3: It's slut-shaming. I mean, that's what women call it, and that's what it is. You know, the implication that if women are involved in anything—and I'm not justifying— um, uh, getting involved in things that maybe you shouldn't have gotten involved in, but the idea that somehow the guy isn't, like, tarred with it, but she is as it being awful character. In fact, in her testimony, she was talking about her ex-husband threatening to try to get the telling her he, he'd get the t- kids taken away. All sorts of things. No one's, no one is talking about anything like that dealing with the governor.
0: And this is why I think the committee needs to get the truth about where this money came from. This may be the only venue where we find out the truth of why this happened. And I understand it's a sideshow, but I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because we have other things we have to do for all of our stories, STL Public Radio. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at...
3: J Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And
0: we'll be back next week for another roundup of Eric Greitens related news. Have a good weekend, everybody.